Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, November the 26th. As we like to do on Sundays, we'll be chatting with our friend George Rodriguez down in South Texas. Uh, George, I've got a couple of quick questions for you. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fattening as usual. Fun. <laughs> fattening as usual. So I, I, I suppose you enjoyed uh, the Cowboys game. I did. I loved it. I thought yes. that press got through beautifully. He did. And then that interception, that record uh, at the end there, that uh, I think it was number six interception yeah, that he's had this year. Bland. Yeah, well, what a what a historic moment. I mean, he may even get a couple more before the season's over. So that's that's an amazing record. Um, the other thing, too, is that we were just sitting here waiting for the Eagles. The Eagles have won the game, which means they keep their two-game lead over the Cowboys. Uh, and the Cowboys are now coming into a much more tougher schedule. So that's uh, that's going to be, you know, that, that the Cowboys have a little rougher go here in the next few weeks uh, than they've had in the last uh, few weeks when they've played some some weaker teams. So uh, I think for the Eagles, it was probably critical that they keep that two-point or that two-game lead on the Cowboys, George. Well, all the games that the Eagles have been playing have been close. Uh, you know, the one with, uh, with Kansas City uh, last week was close. This one was close. Uh, I think they're escaping – uh, barely, but um, you know they continue to escape. So we shall see. That's it. Well, the, even the one with the Cowboys was very close to right. Extremely tough uh, game. Well, let's get into uh, a little bit of the politics. Uh, I want to begin with uh, the politics of Texas, of course, and that is that uh, there's a primary coming up in about three months, maybe four months, and uh, vouchers and the Paxton impeachment are going to play a big role on the Republican side. And then there's a big primary, of course, on the Democrat side for the U.S. Senate. Uh, let's talk about the Republicans first. Uh, it looks like the governor is going to go after those Republicans who didn't support him with vouchers. Um, I mean, I'm glad he's doing it, but do you think it'll be successful? That is, do you think these Republicans in these districts are going to be strong enough to fend off a, a challenge, George? Uh, <laughs> Well, I think that um, that the, uh, uh, the that the governor, uh, first of all, is playing a, a strong political card. Um, he is uh, he endorsed Trump, and uh, whatever happens with Trump, Trump's got a huge following in Texas, so he's got that support. Uh, I think that uh, if he supports whomever he he supports, uh, who's whoever kisses the governor's ring, is going to have a, a, an easy time. Of, of winning in the Republican. The, the question that I've always got in the back of my mind right now is whether or not the Republican Party can uh, can stay together, given the the uh, divisions that are the deep, deep divisions that are going on right now, not only because of school choice, because of the vouchers, but also the impeachment of Paxton and uh, several other things that are going on. And uh, there's a I mean, there's a real, real division. In, in the Republican Party right now. There is. And of course, the, the Paxton impeachment, that is probably more passionate than the vouchers. But uh, just because the feelings are so bad, you know, both ways uh, with that. I know the one Republican who was leading the impeachment effort, or one of the leaders, he's not running for re-election. 
Correct. He's pulling out. Uh, yeah. That may be a sign of things to come. Right. But on the vouchers, uh, I think on that one, President Trump could actually end up helping the governor a little bit because we know that President Trump is a strong advocate of vouchers. And if he were to come out, let's say, and and say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to support those Republicans who voted for vouchers, that may just, uh, the fear of that, I think, could actually turn this around. I mean, I, they may still be able to convince. I, I think they need, I think, 11 of the 20 Republicans, I think, if they can persuade them between now and the end of this session, they may still get it, George. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and some of these uh, some of these Republicans have got to recognize that they have. Uh, I mean, some 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 uh, people have already announced that they're going to be primarying these uh, uh, these Republicans who are in opposition. So that's got to be weighing on their on on their decision making a little bit. Uh, I know that uh, there's a Republican here in uh, in uh, San Antonio in a very safe district, but he's going to have a uh, primary opponent. Uh, who is uh, much more conservative and thus is very pro uh, school choice. And um, he's got um, he's got to be looking over his shoulder on this. So that might change his vote. Well, again, I I really believe that if you're a Republican and you oppose vouchers, you're really going against where the party is or the majority of the party. Now, I respect uh, the argument uh, of some of these uh, rural Republicans who say that, hey, I want to save my school. I respect that because I know how important these schools are in some of these districts. But there's got to be, and and this is where it confuses me, there's got to be a dollar amount that you can offer that, that in a sense, to protect those schools, uh, George. Well, and one of the things that I, you know, I heard a very interesting, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is, uh, uh, who has a relative that works in the Alamo Heights School District, which is a very uh, prominent, uh, wealthy school district, but it's surrounded, it's an island. It's surrounded by, uh, it's kind of like Highland Park in Dallas. And uh, they were very, very much in opposition to uh, vouchers uh, because of the Robin Hood uh, laws and because they feel that they already give and send enough money to other schools that it's a question of mismanagement in these other schools. And that's what needs to be addressed, not um, redistribution of money. And so uh, they're very uh, adamant about that. And, um, you know, I can understand that that uh, argument much more so after after listening to that argument, after listening to them. Right. And of course, there are other districts. I mean, look, the Houston school district has, is being had to be taken over by the state. Uh, I understand, and in San Antonio, they're closing a bunch of schools uh, the because they just closing a bunch yeah. of them, and they don't have students. To it. Big opposition to it. I mean, even though the these schools, these buildings are half empty, right. there's a lot of opposition. And again, uh, we go back to the issue that it is a question of management mm-hmm. uh, to a large degree. If, if you're not standing behind the, the the teachers to discipline the kids, well, then the kids are running the place, you know, right. and if the parents are not running, if their parents are not uh, disciplining the children, well, you know, then it's, 
it's chaos. Right. They got two strikes against them. I mean, if the parents are not involved and the, the teachers are not allowed to discipline or run the class, then, yeah, I mean, two strikes uh, against it. Um, now, the, the session that we are currently under expires on the 6th of December. Um, the, the governor has threatened to do another one, do another session, which I guess would be in January. But, you know, I, I would hope that they can get something done before the end of this session. Or do you feel that these Republicans are just so uh, opposed to it that the governor, they're just going to have to replace these Republicans? But that pushes then, then things to 2025, really, yeah. before anything can happen. I, I hate to say it, Silvio, but I do believe that the blood is the, ba- the the blood is so bad at this point that I'm not sure exactly what can what, what can be uh, moderated, what can be dis- changed. Uh, it is really, really a situation where I think that that um, uh, I I really don't see what uh, can be uh, moderated, what can be uh, compromised right. at this point. And I don't think that it's gonna that anything is gonna happen until well yeah well if 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 it's up to the next election then nothing's gonna happen until twenty twenty five when a new legislature comes in now let's take a look at another very important primary and that is the primary to replace or the Democrat primary uh, to nominate a a senator or a candidate to run against Senator Cruz uh, here you have two Alred uh, who's a representative in our area. And Gutierrez, who's the state senator in South Texas, I think Uvalde, the Uvalde area. Now, the Dallas Morning News had a very interesting analysis of this race, and they were focusing on the different strategies. Uh, Allred is trying to present himself as a moderate. I'll work with everybody. That has not been his career, but nevertheless, that's the strategy that he is doing. Gutierrez, on the other hand, is trying to present himself as the progressive, the real Democrat, the one who, who's going to stand up for the party's values. In reality, Allred is the same way, but he's not running that kind of campaign. Uh, I think this may very well be uh, a very tight primary. I, I, I don't have any feeling for these two guys as to who would win, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Gutierrez wins because he's, he's actually... <laughs> He's pandering to the base of the party that will vote, George. Yeah. Gutierrez has uh, a, a lot of strong liberal leftist following here in San Antonio and in um, in that district. The thing that we've got to remember about that district, though, is that um, uh, Abbott carried it. And um, it was, I mean, and carried it big. It wasn't just, you know, uh, a slight uh, victory. So it's going to be very, very interesting how Gutierrez is going to plan to, to, to do a, a grassroots uh, campaign because the grassroots was all out against Abbott. I mean, they had uh, kids from New York and, and Boston come in and go door to door and pass out leaflets and whatnot, um, all accusing Abbott of being pro-gun and by definition uh having been a, an, an accomplice in the shooting in Uvalde and uh, which is, is ridiculous and absurd, but that's the game that they played. Uh, Gutierrez played along with that. Now, how he plays at time around, particularly since he realizes that it didn't work and that uh, Abbott carried it, 
I don't know. It'll be very, very interesting to see yes. uh, how that 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 works. Uh, I think that Aldred, if he plays a middle of the road, moderate approach, I think that might be much more successful because you're liable to capture a lot more middle of the roaders as well as it'll be easier for the media, the liberal media, to uh, present you. Well, that's true. I, I think that's a good argument. My my only question is in these primaries, uh, it you know who turns out. Uh, generally, it's a, the more uh, progressive side of the party who turns out. Right. And if Gutierrez promotes himself as the real Democrat, not the the you know the the fake Democrat or whatever he wants to call already. Maybe he'll use the race card against. But that's right. That's right. He will. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But the one thing, uh, George, that, that amazes me about this race is how little known, uh, maybe not Gutierrez, but how little known Allred is. Yes. I don't know if anybody, even even in our Texas, area. Texas doesn't know him very well. No, I mean, uh, does anybody know Allred? I mean, I, I mean, he, he, his district, of course, and in the Dallas area. But, I, you know, he's not a name that, you know, you can, you know, Beto at least had a name. When uh, he, he ran. Well known. I mean, he was. He was well-known statewide. Yes, he Allred was. Allred is not known uh, statewide. And I would question whether or not Gutierrez is very well-known in East, Deep East Texas or Northeast Texas, or North Texas. You know, I would question that, too. Right. I think so. In this case, both of these men have a challenge to get themselves well-known, which means they're going to have to spend a lot of money on TV. Uh, and as you know, as well as anybody... Texas TV is very expensive. It is. And if you're going to run ads in 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 Dallas and in Houston, both of I them mean, have to run. Both of them have to run very strongly in Harris County, which is a huge, huge group. Right, I mean, or Dallas County here. Yeah, uh, I would argue that that Allred probably has the edge in Dallas County because he represents that district. He's well but, known. And same, what, same thing here in here in San Antonio. Right, uh, Gutierrez is going to have it. They're also going to be going to be fighting for Travis County. Travis County is extremely liberal. Yes, and uh, you know, uh, a, a strong liberal message there, like Gutierrez plans on running. Maybe maybe we'll play a lot better there. I think so. I think so. But you know, we'll see. A lot depends on how well they they let the public know who they are, how well they campaign, and and so far. You know, I really haven't seen much of them, but maybe, maybe it's a little early. Well, and it'll also be very interesting, Sylvia, to see who endorses whom. Uh, you know, you've got a Hispanic congressman in Dallas, and in I mean, in in Austin, uh, and in uh, uh, north, far north, uh, uh, or, or or south uh, Hayes County, which is San Marcos, a very very liberal socialist Hispanic. Uh, who will he go for? Or is right. he going to just sit this out and be quiet? You know, who is well, she? Well, and the Castro Maybe. brothers, the Castro yeah. brothers in oh, San Castro Antonio. Brothers. The Castro brothers are going to go with, uh, Gutierrez? with Gutierrez. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've already they've already signed off on him. Oh, okay. I, so that's a big help, I would think, yeah. for Gutierrez. Be very, well, very we'll see. But I, I, I just find this, this campaign to be very interesting because, again, we're four months away. Yeah. And it's these two, very bloody for them. I don't know. It could be if they if they if they keep up with the strategy that the Dallas Morning News was was talking about. Well, interesting development in Texas, and uh, there's a great story 
it was in the Dallas Morning News and it was also in the Texas Tribune. Uh, there was a story about population growth in Texas. We all know that Texas is growing in huge numbers. But what a lot of people may not know is where in what parts of Texas is that growth in? And they've come up with this thing called the triangle. The triangle is basically Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston. That It's not a perfect triangle, but it uh, sort of, uh, I guess, it, imagine, it, imagine it that it would be. It yeah. looks it looks sort of like it, but you got, you know, three points. Yes. And, and uh, it looks like Cary Grant, you know. So. This, right. So it it is, it, that's where the growth is. I mean, they, they, they say something like 34%, 40% of the population of Texas lives there in that triangle. Now, if if you've driven down I-35 uh, to San Antonio, I you get a, a an exhibit A of, of what they're talking about because the traffic is horrendous, whether it's also from here to Houston where the construction seems to be all the time. It's 24-7 construction. So my point for bringing this up, this is you know going to have some political ramifications as these things always do. Uh, what, what will probably happen is that when they redo the districts in 2030, that the, there's going to be some a, probably a couple more districts in that region alone that will be created just because there's more population. But then that's going to make the rural districts even bigger than they are right now in terms of geography, because there's 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 simply not enough uh, people. If you're going to divide, you know, the districts uh, as much as possible uh, across the state, I mean, there's going to be a lot of districts that are going to go from El Paso to Lubbock. Because there's just not enough people. So this is going to have some political ramifications. Exactly what they are, I'm not sure. But it is going to have political ramifications. But I made a note here of a couple of other things, too, that this is going to have. And I'd like to get your reaction. One is transportation, uh, the impact. You know, I-35, they may have to build another I-35, like a parallel I-35, just to connect uh, some of these cities. Uh, It's going to have a tremendous uh, impact on energy. Because these homes, you know, they, they need to be cooled and they need to be heated. And and that's going to have some real requirements on, on the energy grid. And then, of course, on housing. Uh, so, you know, again, this is the, as they say, the, the state is growing and that's a good thing. But the, these uh, this type of growth, uh, George, also has economic and political ramifications, George. Well, you know, it, it definitely is, you know, it's got the liberals salivating because they anticipate more uh, liberal districts, uh, congressional districts in this triangle. Um, the, the questions that I that that, uh, you know, that are raised like you you were speaking about transportation, housing, uh, energy, um, again, uh, it's got the. Uh, liberals salivating because they feel that they're going to be able to control these through their, uh, what do they call it, the the uh, council of governments, uh, which are usually uh, a conglomeration of, of uh, county governments and city governments represented together who, who make uh, decisions together. The headache is this, the headache is this, the liberals uh, want uh, energy conservation, uh, yet, you know, we're going to we're looking at at, the, at, the, at a growth of energy needs. So I'm not sure how they're going to balance that. 
I mean, as we speak here in San Antonio last year, they got rid of a cold uh, energy uh, plant. And uh, they are screaming and yelling now about how they're going to uh, be able to uh, take care of uh, the energy needs during the winter. Well, why did you close the, the coal plant? Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the pollution was negligible. However, the EPA, the, the current EPA that we've got, the federal government, uh, lowered the standard uh, for pollution. So therefore, any pollution practically is, you know, is considered bad. The other issue is transportation. We already have a toll road that runs uh, from Seguin uh, outside of San Antonio uh, that runs halfway up to uh, to Dallas, just north of Waco. Uh, whether that is extended further, I, I you know they're talking about doing that. That it'll, be, it'll, it'll run all the way um, in, into uh, uh, the uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area someplace. So they're, they're already talking about that. It's going to be a toll road. Now, again, uh, where is our money going for uh, highways? Uh, I mean, I thought we paid taxes and, and oil uh, money went to, uh, to uh, build these uh, highways. Uh, and again, if we're not getting oil money because we're not building, because we're not allowed to, to, uh, to drill, well, then, of course, then we're going to have more toll roads. Uh, and then there's finally the issue of of of, of uh, housing. Have you seen the homeless problem in uh, in in Austin, which is the most liberal community uh, in Texas when it comes to homelessness? I mean, they're not addressing it. All they're doing is giving people money, which attracts more homeless right. to Austin. So, um, uh, you know, I think that we're looking at a situation where uh, it, it could be a a uh, a boom. Or a complete implosion. Right. Well, and that's the thing. When you grow this fast, uh, sure, you get a lot of taxpayers, sure, you get a lot of businesses, but, but you also get money, uh, you know, on all sorts of social services, but not for, right. for for the needs of the community overall. Well, then, you know, there you go. That's right. No, I, it, it is a challenge. And I would recommend everyone to check out these articles. Uh, there was one in the Dallas Morning News, almost the identical article ran. And then there's crime. Uh, that's the other issue. The one? The, there's crime. Yes. Well, that's the crime, other factor, too. Crime has yeah. just escalated in, in, in small communities around us like right. crazy, and they are all freaking out. You know, that's right. Uh, we've got, a, we've got a, a George Soros DA that pardons everybody, and so I, all, all these characters end up going out to uh, small communities to prey on them, and then they come back into, into San Antonio. Right. No, it, it, this is, again, the, these are the, the unintended consequences of growth, all of this. And you're right. I mean, having the right district attorneys or the wrong district attorneys uh, is going to have, uh, going to have a huge uh, impact. Well, let me just quickly bring up a couple of quick topics here as we, as we close. But no, but I wanted to finish my thought that I would really recommend to everyone to check out the article that appeared in the Texas Tribune that explains this growth and where it is. Uh, my guess is that some of our friends listening or watching live in this so-called triangle. And that's where you're going to see the traffic jams. That's where you're going to see the housing costs go up, uh, the energy distribution issues. That's going to be primarily because that's where the people and, are going to go. 
and, and you know, you're gonna. We're already we're already seeing a lot of, uh, you know, this situation where uh, these urban their power big urban areas are very upset because they can't control all the rural areas. Right, right. So yes, I mean that's, um, and maybe some of that has to do with the vouchers. Maybe the vouchers are are a big problem in in that in that divide, you know, that uh, we have. Well, just a couple of quick things. Uh, there was a lot of commotion in the last ten days or so about Univision interviewing President <laughs> Trump. I'm glad that Shame the president, that. yeah, the president of uh, or CEO of Univision came out defending the interview, saying, you know, we don't be basically. I'm paraphrasing him, but he said, you know, we don't belong to any party. <laughs> and we're not going to follow the, the, you know, one, you know, activist group or another. I'm glad that he said that, George. I, I know sometimes Univision had the reputation for being, you know, maybe more partisan. But but I'm I'm glad to see Univision, you know, sit there and have a, a rational discussion with President Trump. Uh, you know, you can argue that maybe the reporter was a little soft. But I think you could say the same thing about their interviews of President Obama in the past. So, I mean, I don't think they were any softer with Trump that they had been, let's say, with Obama. But I thought the good thing is that Trump was given an opportunity to talk. And, for example, the one of the he questions... He attacked and challenged. I mean, that's it. That's the, it. the last time that he has been on with, with Jorge Ramos, and let's remember that Jorge Ramos' his, his daughter, his daughter uh, was a, a special assistant to uh, to uh, Hillary Clinton, so it, it appeared that there was very very close family ties. Well, there were close family ties between Jorge Ramos and the Clintons, uh, as well as the Obamas as well. And uh, so this situation then now, uh, where th some of the uh, employees at Univision are very upset because they're giving Trump an even break because they let him speak because they let him explain, because they didn't challenge him and, and correct him and, and attack him, uh, you know, I think it's very much akin to the reaction of some of the employees at Twitter when right. Elon Musk took over. They I think you're Twitter. right. They're just not used to having to be balanced. That's right. I think you're exactly right. And I think the reaction was over the top. There's no reason... For them yeah. to have reacted that way, I mean, they Ultimately, can interview. Silvio, if you don't like where you work, I mean, to my knowledge, nobody in its, in, in the United States is 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 chained to the chair right. where they work. Right. And know. and I Univision can I could be wrong. No, but I mean, Univision can interview President Biden if they exactly. want to. Nobody's stopping them from doing that. They, I hope, I hope they will. I hope that they. Well, more so, more so in my book, employees that are very upset about the Trump. Uh, interview, they could always find another. That's another. right. That's right. But the other thing too, George, is that I, I think what this is reflecting also is the fact that Univision uh, understands that there are some there's some oh, shifting yeah. going on in yeah. the Hispanic population. Because one of the questions, one of the questions I thought was very interesting. One of the questions said more and more uh, Hispanics are moving over to the conservative side, yes, or something like that. Look at us. Look at us. For example, you and yes. me. We may speak very good English, but we also speak very good Spanish. Right. And so, you know, there is nothing to prevent us from going back and forth between the two languages as well as between the two networks. 
an English-speaking network and a Spanish-speaking network. Mm -hmm. However, are we going to go to a Spanish-speaking network that uh, that is biased? No. Well, and that's it. I mean, I to me, Jorge Ramos it was it was a mistake to make Jorge Ramos the face of that <laughs> network. Yes, because he he became so identified politically. And he was so angry. That's it. So, I mean, if you're going to make somebody the face of your network, try to find someone who's more <laughs> more impartial, you might say. But in all fairness to Jorge Ramos, that's I've seen him interview. No, but in all fairness, but let me just say something. In all fairness to Jorge Ramos, I've seen him interview, for example, Lopez Obrador, and I've seen him interview Maduro in Venezuela, and he had some good questions for them. You know, he didn't just lay back for them. So in all fairness, uh, he he can be a good interviewer, but I think he became so closely tied to the anti-Trump movement that I think it hurt Univision, and Univision is better off being like the CEO said, we're a news organization. We're not with one party or another. I think it's uh, fantastic. I think it's great. I think it's good too. I think it's going to help Univision uh, in the long run, particularly with an election Hispanic community. It's going to help the Spanish. Community. I think so too. I think so too because it it, it puts it, it it makes for a conversation which we need in in the community. Last but not least, there was an election in Argentina. They're freaking out over <laughs> Javier Milei. Uh, for those who may not know who he is, he's the new president-elect of Argentina. He is, uh, I wouldn't call him a, a conservative completely. He's more of a libertarian, but he believes in, in certain things, like, for example, not spending more money than you take in in taxes. He, what, what, a, what a radical concept. He, he wants to decentralize the Argentina government, which is not a bad idea. So... He, they're freaking out. I mean, they're just freaking out over this man. They're comparing him to Hitler. You know, oh when they start gosh. comparing people to Hitler, you know they've lost the argument. You know they've gone off the edge. That's right. They've gone <laughs> off the edge, and now, now they need to go to a psychiatrist, as I say. Well, George, <laughs> the the Eagles won. That's bad for you and me. Bad for us. The Eagles won, but uh, there's a lot of season left. But I want to thank you as always for your time. Have a great. How's the weather in San Antonio? It's a little it's chilly up here. Cold. It's rainy and cold. Well, maybe I mean, that's coming this to me, way. Down. To me, it's cool. It's, it's too cold. It's like about 50, 50 degrees outside, but because it's moist, it feels colder than that. Yeah, it, it it's chilly today. It, I wouldn't call it really really cold, but this morning, like about ten o'clock or so, it was it was chilly and a little windy too. So it, it got into it got into your skin as my Mother used to say it got in between your clothes, so it made you a little colder. But have a great uh, week, uh, George, and uh, we look forward to our next time. Lots of issues to, to get into. So thank you so much for your time, as always. Thank you. All right. Our good friend, uh, George Rodriguez, down in, in uh, San Antonio, talking about a lot of Texas issues. But the one, uh, the one thing I wanted to close on, and talk a little bit more about this article that came out in the Dallas Morning News. And it's also available in the Texas Tribune. You can get that on the website, Texas Tribune. And you can get it. It talks about this triangle, this population triangle that is booming in Texas. And that's where all the growth is. That's where all the population growth is. That's what everybody wants to live. And of course, that's going to create some serious challenges to the infrastructure, transportation, energy, housing, and it's obviously, it's also going to have political 
consequences as well. Well, thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. I hate to tell you, but the Eagles won, so they still have a two-game lead on the Cowboys. So that's not good if you're a Cowboy fan. But they played a great game, the Eagles, that is. They really, they were just absolutely fantastic today and in this game that they won in overtime. So congratulations to them for playing such a such an unbelievable game. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.